All right, Rob. I got two words for you. Two words. The Hoff. Oh, <laughs> Night Rider! Nice! Was it Mike? Oh, yeah. Michael Knight? Was that his name? Oh, yeah. No, it was. Michael, it was Michael Knight. Knight. Okay, good call. And, and Kit. And Kit was the car. Oh, I loved Kit so much. The coolest car ever. In this beginning theme song, it's got the car kind of riding on, on this like des- this nighttime <laughs> desert plane. Growing up, my dream car was a black Trans Am. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I never understood why everybody didn't want that red. That light going back and forth on their car. Like, why didn't every auto manufacturer just put those on their <laughs> on cars? That was the coolest thing ever. I liked it when, when um, David Hasselhoff, he went from David Hasselhoff from Knight Rider and... And David Hasselhoff from Baywatch, and David Hasselhoff, the the popular uh, acclaimed singer in Germany, the international sensation. Yes, to just the Hoff, like the he, Hoff. this whole like he, you have a a nickname like the Hoff, and there's just a certain respect right there. He's he's you know? even in SpongeBob movies now. Like he's, is he? Yeah, there's not there's not a generation that doesn't. That doesn't know the Hoff. I mean, if you were to show my son David Hasselhoff, he'd be like, "Oh yeah, it's David Hasselhoff uh, from SpongeBob." Yeah. But when you said the Hoff, I confess, I'm thinking, I don't, I don't know the theme song to Baywatch. <laughs> Though I bet if we played it right now, we both would know it. Would we? Yes. Yeah, I think it's one of those. I don't know. It's. I never really watched that well, show. Well, it dips into the '90s, and we haven't really we haven't dipped in at all to the '90s yet. With our theme songs. There's great theme songs in the '90s. Yes, and we are going to. I've got a couple. I've got a couple in the back of my mind that I wanna I wanna get to. Yeah. Baywatch is not one of them, but we might have to now. So welcome everybody to Joel and Rob's podcast of We Make the Road by Walking. We are. Uh, on chapter 12 uh, of Brian's fantastic book. Um, And the chapter is titled Stories That Shape Us. And the scripture for this chapter is uh, 2 Kings chapter 2. And Rob, it's the story of uh, the prophet Elijah. Mm -hmm. And he is, in this story, he's with his... um, his prophet uh, apprentice is next in line, Elisha. Yeah. And Elijah is whisked up to heaven. Ooh, that's a good word for it, whisked. 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 Wait, is it whisked or whisk? Whisked. There's a K right yeah, there. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. Was I not adding that enough? I heard a T for some reason. Whisked, yeah. I think I... Whisked. I think I can kind of blend those together too much. Whisk. I... As I say it right now, I can't get it out correctly. Whisked. <laughs> Whisked. <laughs> Up to heaven in a chariot. And so as I reread the story, it was interesting to note that um, the chariot is a chariot of fire. Yeah. And horses of fire Crazy. carrying the chariot. So this this unreal visual image. Cuckoo bananas stuff. Yep. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. Um, uh, and so I want to ask you what stood out to you in uh, this story. Um, as I read it again, I was um, I noted the the grief in Elisha. 
as Elijah is taken oh, out. That's a great point. And I didn't. I don't. I don't remember it. But he is. He is overcome with grief. Elijah means so much to him. Um, I think the scripture says he's screaming, <coughs> "Father, Father!" And then, as they did in the yeah. Old Testament, in in mourning, rips his clothes. I mean, just this sadness. And Elijah is didn't die in the story. He's going up to heaven. If you're going to lose a loved one, it's the way to lose one. <laughs> Good gosh. Yet still, Elisha is... is uh, That's a fantastic point. Crippled in grief. Yeah. It reminded me, actually, that I hadn't read this story in so long. It reminded me very much of what Ruth says to Naomi, you know, mm-hmm. uh, when, you know, go, lead me. Yeah. And then... Well, Elijah says it to Elijah. Naomi would say it to Ruth. You know, go, leave me. And both were saying, no, no, absolutely not. Yep. You can't force me to leave you. I'm, yeah. I'm here, whether you want me to be or not. Yep. And I didn't remember how many times that happened between Elijah and Elisha. Uh, and I always just read this as the um, passing of the prophetic mantle from yeah. From one prophet to the next generation, right? Mm -hmm. I had never put together what uh, Brian points out, is that um, Elijah was very clear, if you see me taken away, if you see me taken away, Mm -hmm. not the grand distractions of the chariot and the... Yes. Fiery horses and all that kind of stuff. But if you see me taken away, Mm -hmm. then you will get a double share of my spirit, which basically was meaning you will inherit some of my prophetic power. Yes. Um, And then Brian later talks about don't um, the difference between uh, becoming a fan of the prophet uh, uh, or um, but actually continuing on the ministry that he came um, that he came to yeah, well uh, live. And so, and then he, Brian includes Acts chapter one and the ascension of Jesus. Uh, Acts begins with Jesus um, uh, rising up to heaven mm-hmm. and lays those two stories alongside each other. Which I think was brilliant to do because yeah. I'd, I mean, Acts is very in your face about it. The ain't, Jesus ascends to heaven and the disciples are just staring there looking up. Yep. You know, I'm literally looking up right now. Yeah. Um, and then angels descend saying, hey, fellas, why in the world are you looking up? Uh-huh. You know, the yep. world to which you've been called to minister isn't up. Yeah. It's 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 out there. Look, yeah. look straight ahead. Look at all the people and places to which Jesus has called you to go serve. Yeah. I mean, so Acts is always very clear about that. And I never noticed that in Elijah and Elisha. And I thought that was a profound connection. It's a me. great insight. Yep. I've never... I've never thought to lay these two stories alongside each other. Yeah, which which he did. And the Acts story is honestly one of my favorite stories of Scripture because, um, to me, it's uh, a lot. There are multiple theories about how the Gospels came to be, but by and large, scholars universally agree that the author of Luke. Uh, mm-hmm. wrote the book of Acts. Right. And that Acts is essentially part two of mm-hmm. Luke's gospel. Yep. Um, and the reason I love this story so much is because really the gospel, you know, if you just take the gospel and don't tell the story of what the disciples do next, then you really don't, you really do only have half a story. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, that it, the ministry of the disciples, the ministry of the body of Christ, the church, or, you know, whatever it is that we're doing here and now, I mean, that's essential to the story. Without it, we have a history of a guy who lived and died and rose, but <laughs> right? there's, you know, what's the so what? Yep. So Acts is about, is about um, uh, God's spirit working in the disciples to yeah. further the mission of Jesus. Yep. yep. Um, to get back just a second to the second king story, Elijah and Elisha, I hadn't read this story in a while, and so I'd forgotten that there's another parting of a sea or parting of water. I'd forgotten that too. <laughs> like I, you just always think about Moses. Clearly, we need to read Kings again. Absolutely. Um, uh, I think we're just so familiar with the Exodus. Moses story. Um, I had totally forgotten that. But in fact, when I read it before reading the chapter, I'm like, oh, yeah, Elijah yeah. parts. Elijah Obama. does it, and then, and then Elisha. Elisha does it, yeah. and that's where he knows he's um, he has received the the uh, the double portion from. And yet, that's a, that's absolutely essential to the people of Israel because Moses is considered the first great prophet. Yep. And the greatest act he did was in the parting of the waters. Mm-hmm. And so for Elijah, Ja or Ja, the, Elijah with a J, yes. come along and do it. That's symbolic that he carried the same prophetic power as Moses. And then for Elisha to do it symbolizes the same thing. Oh, gosh. My computer just shut down. Oh, no. Are you kidding me? I'm sorry. Oh, my gosh. This is not working today. (laughs) That was going to be a good one, too. That was a good one. We can redo it. Oh, wait. Oh, we're still gone. (laughs) 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 Oh, my gosh. Maybe we can just cut that little snippet out. Oh, gosh. Okay. All right. Um, So let's get to McLaren's chapter. Okay. He starts um, with a great uh, story of a girl asking her mother if the Bible story of Elisha um, flying to heaven on a chariot of fire was real or pretend. Isn't that a great question? It is. It is. And then he, and then he quickly turns it to the reader and says, how would you have answered that question? Yeah. Yeah. And I like how he, he comes up with um, a third option I think a third option to yeah. to um, well he names the first two options brilliantly there's the literalist interpretation right yeah. mm-hmm. and then there's kind of the metaphorical interpretation it's like well yes. it's not real yep but there are truths within it just the same yep uh, like Jesus parables yeah. right I mean yeah. and mainliners oftentimes resort to that yeah um, so yes. I, I love the third. The third option. Yeah. We, we treat things in this world very much as false binaries all the time, don't we? What it, do you mean? How so? Uh, we, we come to something complex and look at it as either good or bad, as yeah. either true or false, as either black or white. You know, um, should I be this? Should I be that? Should I think this or should I think that? Yeah. Um, we act like there are two choices to just about everything. Yep. Yeah. Is money good or is money bad? True. Yep. Right. 
Right. Yeah. And so he he encourages, or in the in the beginning, he has the mother asking uh, her daughter, "What do you think Perfect. about this story?" And as he Perfect. said, he he invites her into the interpretive community. Um, of scripture. And I love that phrase, interpretive community. And, and that whole idea that when we read scripture, that we're not just reading it, we are joining ourselves to this interpretive community. Yep. He doesn't, I expected him to go here, but he didn't. I expected him to get into Midrash. Mm-hmm. Um, Midrash, yeah. Or Midrash. Yep. Um, the uh, Hebrew tradition that, you know, uh, how rabbis would interpret scripture would become scripture itself or a form of it. Yep. And it's a way in which scripture is perpetually evolving, how rabbis would disagree with older or newer interpretations. And there's this whole complex multi-level conversation. Yep. And Brian uh, very much is insisting, you know, uh, Scripture is not, Scripture is a conversation. Mm -hmm. He calls it many things. He calls it a library. Yep. Um, But my favorite word, I think, is it's a conversation. Mm -hmm. And and it's a perpetually evolving conversation. Yeah. You know, as we evolve, our understanding of Scripture evolves with us. Yep. Yeah, and that's one of the big threads that he keeps pulling throughout around chapter 12 um, is he's inviting us to read scripture in a um, uh, literal way and in a figurative way and in a, a holistic way. Yes. Yeah. We have to understand what was happening historically then as well as where we stand on things now. Yep. So he, he comes up with three, three, um, three ways to do it. First with a, a critical or a scientific research. Um, so to look at the history, language, anthropology, sociology, next artist, eye and ear. Um, mm-hmm. which is uh, um, uh, to wisely draw meaning from ancient stories, kind of that second way. And then the third way is to always come to it with a humble and teachable heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even for me, as I started out, as I started out with reading it only in a literalistic way, and then when I went to... Um, seeing some uh, sometimes some deeper meaning underneath the literalistic way or an academic way, which I, I was fully into in seminary, before and after, I, it was easy for me to miss point. the coming to it in a what he calls a humble and teachable heart. Yeah. That it's still, even though that there is human agenda behind it, there are inaccuracies, there is mystery to it, it's still... Has something to teach us if we'll if we will let it speak to us. What a um, great point. Well said. Yeah. I think a, a lot of the time, scripture and I and, and I think we all do this. And sometimes we do it consciously. Sometimes we do it unconsciously. But I think a lot of the time we come to scripture looking to prove ourselves. You know, the opposite of a humble heart. It's, I think this is wrong. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna. I'm going to come to scripture to, to, to 
to see what scripture has to say and prove myself right. Yeah. You know, we we come to scripture with an agenda so much of the time. Yeah, absolutely. And and yeah. How how powerful to come with a humble heart. I checked this section off right here, um, where he says, like young Elisha, interpreters today must remember that it's easy to miss the point of ancient stories. These stories didn't merely aim, like a modern textbook, to pass on factual information. They sought people's formation by engaging their interpretive imagination. I starred the exact same paragraph. (laughs) That is one heck of a paragraph. Yeah. That paragraph could be a whole chapter and just keep rereading that paragraph. Yep. Yep. Anything else in this chapter jump out of you that you want to share? Um, Just... I lo- also loved, uh, as he wrapped up the chapter, the way um, he talks about the tough issues of our day. Mm-hmm. Um, the next to last paragraph of the whole thing. Um, how will we deal with the political and economic systems of our day? You know, the mm-hmm. ones that are destroying the planet, privileging the elite, churning out weapons. How will we deal with religious systems that have often... Uh, that often have violent extremists on one wing and complacent hypocrites on the other. I mean, mm-hmm. he's naming he's naming problems that have existed for for centuries, millennia, but they just take different forms. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and our job as as people who read this book and and participate in this conversation, you know, it's our job to. You know, he gets back to Elisha and Elijah is to focus. Mm-hmm. Don't get distracted by all the other competing stuff, but focus on on what this conversation with Scripture is telling us about God and about God's intentions for us, and then have the courage mm-hmm. to live like it. Yeah, and you know, shameless plug here. It's not that we are always courageous, but. I love the fact that here at TPC, one of the things we say very intentionally that we seek to be, is we try to be courageous. You know, we try to be courageous enough to ask the tough questions, to have the difficult conversations, because it takes courage to really have this conversation honestly and transparently, yep. and then to do what we believe we're called to do. Yep. Um, yep. Well said. Yeah, so I, I appreciated that he ended with that. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Well, thank you. This was a lovely and invigorating conversation, <laughs> Pastor Joel. You can find Joel uh, and Rob uh, on Towson Presbyterian's website, towsonpres.org. Our Facebook and uh, Instagram handles are at towsonpres.org. You can also find us with the rest of our fantastic community of faith Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10 um, at 400 West Chesapeake Avenue. Join us. Yes. Until next time.